Welcome to TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks so much for tuning in. On today's episode, we're wrapping up our Environmental Law 101 series by looking at some of the programs that the state of Texas offers to address environmental contamination issues. There are quite a few of them, they are somewhat nuanced, and there is a good chance that property owners and prospective buyers don't even know they exist. This episode will follow a slightly different format than our listeners may be accustomed to, as our environmental law expert Jill Codvis will be breaking down each program herself, so you won't really be hearing much from me at all after this introduction. It's important to note that this podcast and the four episodes that preceded it are intended for educational use only and are in no way meant to represent legal advice from either Jill Codvis or the Real Estate Council. We'll link to previous installments of our Environmental Law 101 series in the show notes and on our blog at recouncil.com backslash trek wire. Remember to subscribe to TrekCast if you haven't already. We're on most, if not all, of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. You can also follow Trek on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with everything we're doing in DFW and beyond. Now, here's Jill Codvis analyzing the different Texas environmental cleanup programs right here on TrekCast. Well, basically, there's five programs in the state of Texas to address or close environmental uh, contamination, soil or groundwater contamination. And which program you can use or which one you choose to use is going to depend on a number of things. Um, you know, what is the source of your contamination? Are you dealing with a dry cleaner release? Are you dealing with a release at a retail fuel facility from petroleum storage tanks? Or is the source a manufacturing or other type of uh, uh, release. Um, it will depend on whether or not the contamination is solely on site or if the contamination is migrating off site. Also involved with your decision will be whether or not you desire or another party involved in the transaction desires a release of liability related to a closure of the site. And then the last two are how important is cost to you? Is it important to keep your costs down on, on your closure of this issue you've identified? Or is cost not that big a factor to you? And is time more important to you? Or is time additionally not an important factor? So certain programs um, are limited to certain types of contaminants. Um, only, only one program uh, and, and the MSD can help you with off-site migration. And there's only two uh, that uh, provide a release of liability. Um, and some are more costly than others, and some may take longer than others. So uh, it might be best if I just walk through each, each of the program and some of the key elements of it that would help you decide which program that might be best for you in any particular circumstance. So the ultimate gold standard program in the state of Texas is the Texas Voluntary Cleanup Program. It's called the VCP. And this is a program for addressing soil and groundwater cleanup in the state that will ultimately result in the issuance by the state of a VCP certificate of completion. And that's called a COC. You might hear that as well. Uh, the benefits of this program are that when you obtain the Voluntary Cleanup Program COC, um, it then, once it's issued, anyone that buys the property, lends against it, or operates the property 
after that certificate is issued is released from state liability for having to address that groundwater soil cleanup further. Uh, and that applies to all contaminants that may have been on the property, whether or not they were identified or discovered uh, before the issuance of the VCPCOC, and in any media, which means soil gas, soil, groundwater, and, and uh, all of those together uh, are part of the release of liability through a VCPCOC. Now, there are limitations uh, to that liability, and just to make sure everyone understands that it's a release of cleanup liability to the state. It is not a release of liability from third-party claims uh, or, uh, or, for instance, of adjacent property owners or uh, employees or other users of a building. Um, and the release is only limited to the VCP-covered property. So it's only going to release you from cleanup or contamination related to what's on that property covered by the COC. It does not apply to off-site migration unless you expand your VCP site and COC to include that area off-site that's been impacted by the migration from your property. Um, well, is everybody eligible for a VCP COC? Uh, well, no, they're not. And uh, you can't take advantage of the VCP program if your property is subject to a permit or an order or a pending enforcement action. Uh, and um, if your property has had prior remediation, then at least with regard to that area of the property where the prior remediation occurred, uh, it will not be eligible for the voluntary cleanup program. Um, but what if I want to get a voluntary cleanup program certificate as a purchaser because I like that release of liability and I want to be one of those future purchasers, but the seller hasn't completed the program yet, they've just started it, or they're willing to put the property into the VCP program, but, uh, uh, but they can't get it concluded and get a certificate until well after I take title. But I still want to go through with the transaction. Uh, well, in that case, as long as you are a co-applicant on the VCP application, or you're added as a co-applicant if one has already been filed, uh, and if the TCQ will allow it, because the, the site still is a long way from closure, uh, then as that VCP co-applicant, as the pers prospective purchaser or prospective lessee or lender, um, you will obtain the release of liability as a future uh, owner, operator, or lender, um, which becomes effective and retroactive all the way back to the date of your purchase or your lease or your loan. That's a legal fiction uh, that the agency has accommodated uh, because they did not want this program to hold up uh, real estate transactions when it was a, a law drafted by the state legislature to help expedite a closing of brownfield properties. Uh, now, if there's contamination identified subsequent to the VCP COC issuance, am I going to uh, be protected from that? And the question is, Sometimes or most of the time, the, the answer to the question is, uh, and that is if it's a similar type of contaminant and it's in similar quantities, then they're going to assume that it was already pre-existing the VCP COC issuance. If it's a new type of contaminant in large quantities, probably all bets are off and that's going to have to be addressed in a separate action. Um, the uh, the pro this action does uh, create some cost obligations on the part of the applicant. So, if you're looking for a low cost program, this is not the one you want to go into. It uh, there's a thousand dollar filing fee. That doesn't sound too bad, 
Uh, but uh, you will be billed monthly by the TCQ for costs that they incur in reviewing your uh, documentation uh, and uh, determining how things should proceed on your VCP action. Uh, and that used to be a fairly insignificant amount, but we've noticed uh, that these things have uh, increased significantly in the last few years on certain cases. The second program uh, is the Corrective Action Program. And this is an alternative to the voluntary cleanup program for non-leaking petroleum storage tank sites. Uh, so if you don't like the cost or the time of the voluntary cleanup program, or you really don't want to, uh, uh, you really don't need the release of liability, then corrective action program is your program. And this is why. The voluntary cleanup program, because it gives you a release of liability for cleanup of anything on the property prior to the COC, is going to make you investigate every single source of potential contamination on that bound, within the boundary of the property for which you're seeking a VCP COC. So if you are, if you are hoping to uh, limit your uh, remedial or response actions to just those specific issues you've identified and not uh, create any additional potential liability or investigation obligations, then you'd prefer to go in the corrective action program rather than the VCP. Now, the downside is that in the corrective action program, while you pay no cost and you can obtain a closure more quickly generally, uh, you are... Um, uh, you're going to have to uh, live with no release of liability. You're going to end up with a no further action letter from the state when the matter is closed. And all that letter does is, is, is it'll state to you that based on the information you provided to the state, uh, no further action is necessary uh, at this time. Uh, so again, no release of liability, less cost, uh, less probable investigation, uh, and a more quick timing on the corrective action program than with the VCP. Both of these actions will be subject to the Texas Risk Reduction Program Rule, uh, which is the cleanup rule, the cleanup standards for the state of Texas. They're not standalone, but they apply whenever there is an obligation to clean up within the state. Uh, the next program is the Texas Dry Cleaner Remediation Program. And as you would suspect, this applies only to releases from dry cleaners. Um, the, this is a program that's an alternative to either using corrective action or the voluntary cleanup program for dry cleaner releases. Uh, it's a program that looks extremely good on paper, but has a lot of downsides that need to be considered. So the, the upsides are that this is a state lead program, which means that if you identify a dry cleaner release, you can submit that release to the state for them to investigate it and take any remedial action that may be needed and to close it. Um, your obligation is to uh, uh, prepare their, their very detailed application. Uh, you have to incur at least $5,000 in investigation fees in advance of that, or since it's a deductible, you have to pay it to the state if you haven't met it through investigation. Uh, and you have to, if you're a property owner, be current in the property owner registration fees that are required under the dry cleaner statute. Uh, so if you haven't been paying those fees from the initiation of requirement for property owner registration of a site with a current or former dry cleaner, then uh, you'll have to not only pay the, the uh, fees in arrears, 
but a penalty assessment for each a month on which you did for which you did not pay that uh, timely pay that fee. Um, and right now, when you calculate all of that up, it's somewhere in the thirty thousand mark plus. Uh, so that would, however, be that plus the five thousand dollar deductible would be uh, the limit of your cost to be incurred if you submitted your property uh, to the dry cleaner remediation program. Now the downsides. Uh, the downsides of this this program are, I believe, several. Um, the program itself, by its very statutory and regulatory language, states that once you're in the program, you can't get out. So it's a, like a little like Hotel California. Um, you are not allowed to transfer out of the program once you're in, and you need to allow the state to address uh, whatever it is that is there. Uh, the problem with that is that, uh, and I'll talk about in a moment how that might be slightly amended, but the problem with that is that the state has minimal funds for this program that come in from uh, excess uh, charges on dry cleaner chemicals and the registration fees. And so they have to reprioritize the sites every six months and determine which property is going to get which uh, get funds at any one time. So it takes them a very, very long time to investigate sites that have any significant, any level of contamination above a low contamination. And... Uh, and it may end up meaning that they're going to close your site with a requirement for deed restrictions or engineering controls that you did not want to have on your property. Uh, now, the recently, the, the dry cleaner remediation program has begun to uh, consider transfers back to the voluntary cleanup program or into the voluntary cleanup program from the DCRP, uh, but uh, I, they are contemplating requiring payment uh, or reimbursement of a portion of their costs uh, that they've incurred in investigating or remediating your site in order for you to do so. And that transfer probably won't be allowed in the case of a remedial, a site that has already uh, received remediation because of the restriction on eligibility in the VCP uh, to uh, sites that have not had former remediation occur. Uh, the uh, so the DCRP is really best for parties who will maintain ownership for a long term and have no plans to refinance or, or finance for at least, uh, refinance for at least five to 10 years, uh, unless their lender is comfortable with the dry cleaner remediation program. And more and more lenders at, at various, of various sizes and uh, consequence have, uh, have become more comfortable with the program uh, over the years. Um, the next program is the petroleum storage tank program that regulates all petroleum storage tanks, uh, whether above or underground in the state of Texas, and requires that they be registered. And it requires that the owner of, of the property and or tanks and the operator of the tanks um, notify the TCQ within 24 hours if there's any spill or release from those tanks. Um, so responsible parties are both the owner of the property, who's also responsible for those tanks, and the owner, registered owner and operator of the tanks. Um, the closure document from the petroleum storage tank program, which is through the leaking petroleum storage tank sub-program, uh, is a no further action letter, which as we discussed includes no release of liability. Uh, it is simply uh, a letter that states that based on what you've informed us of on the property and our review of those records, you don't have to take any further action at this time. But if you discover anything down the road, you need to come back to us. Uh, 
Um, now, uh, those all relate to contamination primarily that are found uh, on a property that you might own or operate. Uh, but what if you have contamination that has um, migrated off-site to a third party's property? Well, there is a state program uh, called the Innocent Owner Operator Program, and it only relates to contamination migrating onto a third party property from an off-site source. And in order to be eligible, you have to show that you didn't cause or contribute to that contamination, uh, nor did your property's prior use or operations cause or contribute to that uh, contamination. Um, so the other downside to this is, while the Voluntary Cleanup Program Certificate runs with the land, the Innocent Owner Operator Program does not. It is issued only to the current owner or operator on a property, or the, that would be the current lessee, uh, and not to future, and does not affect future owners, operators, and lenders. Uh, now, so you have to make this proof if you're going to apply for an IOP for, uh, certificate that you were not involved and no one you know uh, or was related to the property previously was involved and they didn't uh, previously use the property uh, with such chemicals that could have caused or contributed to this. Um, and if you can prove that to the TCQ in your original application or if you're a subsequent uh, purchaser and you can prove that in with subsequent sampling or uh, in your application, then the agency will issue an IOP certificate. Um, the certificate, though, is not a broad immunity from liability. It is a limited immunity, and it will relate only to the chemicals of concern that were identified during your sampling and only in the media that was uh, impacted. So was it soil or groundwater or soil gas? And you may have lead in the soil, and uh, TCE in the groundwater, and numerous VOCs in the soil gas, and you'd want to apply for the IOP to, to cover all of those contaminants of concern, and you would want to disclose those to the state. Um, and if you do, you're immune from cleanup liability to the state only. It's not liability otherwise uh, that you are released from, so there's no liability release from third party or otherwise. Uh, if there's a $1,000 filing fee for this program, but there's no ongoing cost or registration cost uh, for the program. The one downside to the program is that you do have to provide notice letters to all adjacent property owners as part of the IOP application process. This is a fairly standard form letter from the TCQ, but, but provided by you or your consultant that advises all adjacent property owners of the fact that you filed in the program, that there's contamination on your property that you believe is migrating onto your property from an off-site source, and you might even cite the source, although that's not absolutely uh, required. So just to review for a moment uh, each of the programs before we talk about a final municipal setting designation uh, statute is that um, uh, the Voluntary Cleanup Program will give you a release of liability for any and all chemicals of concern that might be on the property in all media at the time the COC is issued. Uh, it runs with the land, so it's effective against future owners, operators, and lenders. And in fact, the release of liability only applies to future owners, operators, and lenders. It does not apply to the current property owner. It can take a significant cost and time to go through that program and may involve uh, additional uh, subsurface investigation or indoor air testing or mitigation requirements. 
The, uh, and it can be used for any type of contamination. The dry cleaner remediation program is only for dry cleaner remediation, and, uh, and it will provide a release of liability uh, not only for ongoing con uh, on-site contamination, uh, but, but uh, it will also provide a release of liability for contamination migrating off-site. And that was a significant uh, decision point for many uh, individuals with dry cleaners on their properties or historic dry cleaners on their properties. So if it's a dry cleaner release and you have significant contamination going off-site, then the fact that the release of liability is not only for on-site cleanup but off-site cleanup may be the key uh, criteria for you in deciding which program you would go into. Um, the petroleum storage tank program, uh, which, by the way, uh, is governed by a separate set of cleanup standards than the Texas Risk Reduction Program rules, uh, much less conservative uh, in general, um, will address only those releases from petroleum, petroleum storage tanks. Um, so what if I have a, a large uh, groundwater contamination and I don't want to spend the money to address it with remediation and the concentrations are exceeding a commercial use standard so I can't simply uh, put a use restriction against my property uh, that I won't use it for residential purposes. Um, Texas has a program called the Texas Municipal Setting Designation Program that allows you to uh, obtain a restriction on the use of groundwater beneath a site, either all groundwater or to a certain depth, uh, against potable purposes, against the use for potable purposes. And this would include agricultural purposes, um, landscaping purposes, et cetera. So this is not an independent closure. I've seen a lot of people uh, misunderstand that. It's a, a, something you would seek out to address a groundwater issue on a property that's already in another program or that will be filed in another program. So it's going to be filed in the VCP or corrective action, uh, for instance. The dry cleaner remediation program, the state lead program, will not allow you to use an MSD for your closure. Um, in order to get the MSD, you have to first go to the municipality in which the property is located and obtain an ordinance or a resolution from them requiring uh, restricted restriction on the groundwater use beneath the property that's been identified as the MSD property. Uh, then you have to, and most municipalities require this as, as part of their process, you have to notify every well owner uh, within a five mile radius uh, of the fact that you've applied for an MSD. Uh, separately, you're also required as part of the process to obtain a resolution of approval from any retail public utility within five miles of the property, and you have to obtain a, uh, a approval or agreement from any other municipality that may be within one half mile uh, of location from the MSD property. Uh, so it's a fairly costly process, but if you have significant groundwater on your contamination on your property, or contamination that is above commercial levels to any extent that can't be remediated quickly and cheaply, this is your uh, option for review. Uh, the benefit of this uh, program is that because you're having an MSD uh, on the property, uh, the groundwater is determined to meet uh, residential assessment concentrations at the property boundary. So even if you have contamination migrating off of your property, it would not be deemed a requirement that you clean it up at that point. And you're not required to obtain from that 
adjacent property owner any longer approval to leave that contamination on their property or their agreement to allow you to place a deed restriction on their property uh, that they won't use the property for residential use purposes. So those are very significant benefits to this program. Uh, what this what this uh, municipal setting designation does not does not provide in any way to you is a release of third party liability uh, for cleanup costs. So while they might still an adjacent property owner or neighboring owner might still uh, file a lawsuit against you for the contamination on their property, uh, it will be much more difficult for them under statutorily uh, uh, to um, obtain any or show any damages if you have a municipal setting designation in place. And that would be true under the common law as well. So those are the uh, TCQ programs that are available for closure, and primarily you'll be dealing with the state agency with regard to properties in the state of Texas. Well, that concludes our environmental law and commercial real estate podcast series. I'd like to again thank my guest, Jill Codvis, for putting together such an informative curriculum of topics. If you missed an episode, subscribe to TrekCast on your preferred podcasting platform. We're on most of the major ones, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Be sure to also follow Trek on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.